It's the Chopping It Up Episode 2 of the Earth-Shattering Chopping It Up podcast, a podcast about race, race, and race. I'm Noah Flipiak, here with my co-host Tyler St. Clair from Detroit. How's it going, Tyler? What's going on, baby? You all right? I am not all right, baby. No, <laughs> I am not. We have had so many technical difficulties this morning. Someone's out to get us. I have to, I have well. to point out. I have to point out the last show. <laughs> the same, Noah gave that same uh, white guy response when you was like, "What up, though, baby? Yeah, right? his response was, "I am good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing well. <laughs> I'm doing zippity doo dah. Hello. Having a wonderful day. Though. You guys are mean. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna play for for the audience right here." <laughs> I'm here with my co-host, Tyler St. Clair. I am Noah Filippiak. What's going on, Tyler? What up, though, baby? You all right, man? I'm doing good. I sound good there. I am doing good. That was his response. You need some hood lessons, man. So, (laughs) first thing we're going to do is a rewind segment. We're getting really fancy with our segments here on the Chopping It Up podcast. Our producer, Kyle, is so excited. That is good. There was. And then it goes to the next track because it's on iTunes. We run a tight ship around here. We do. Yeah. Not quite. So that that was the rewind drop. Then we were going to talk about our last show, and you were going to make fun of me because I sounded white. How is a white man supposed to respond to you, Tyler, when you say, What up, doe? What do you want me to say to you? Uh, what up, homie? Like that? <laughs> For shizzle. For shizzle. <laughs> that will get you shot. Yeah, I don't want to get shot. In the knee. So I wouldn't miss any sleep. Here. <laughs> so the rewind segment. We're gonna talk about episode one just for a moment. That was not the Star Wars movie, but that was terrible. Uh, last oh, week's wow. episode might be as terrible as Star Wars episode one. Probably good competition for it. Uh, but anyone who managed to find us for episode two, last week we talked about our trending topic was Colin Kaepernick and mm-hmm. him sitting down during the national anthem. We talked a lot about that. And what was our topic of the day, producer? I don't remember. Topic of the day last week? Yeah. That was Colin, wasn't it? No, that was the trending topic. Oh, it was about Whoa. being colorblind. One race. Yeah, one yeah, race. One oh, race. that's right. Colorblind and whatnot. Colorblind, one race. What I remember about last week's episode is that our producer Kyle sounded very white when we uh, when we were re-listening to it. Sounded like a little white man. I think I sounded blacker than you on that last podcast. You, you did not sound blacker than me. That's the first thing he said when he was listening to it. He said, man, I sound white. Listen, man, I got to make sure I'm sounding good because my parole officer listens to this podcast. <laughs> so I need to make sure I'm out of trouble. They know I'm 
doing something good with a white person, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you off probation early. That's true. Tyler, I noticed last episode you were maybe intimidated by Black Superman. You didn't really say much when we were interviewing him. I don't know. Were you starstruck? Were you intimidated? Did you feel competition? You didn't. You, you seemed a little passive. Listen, I, I just wanted to show deference and respect. That's right. Okay. Some respect on that man's name. I see. Uh, <laughs> you, I understand your I, knees were knocking a little bit. I mean, you've looked up to him your whole life. Yeah. You know. I have. So I, have. I understand. He's a great man. I try to do better today when, when we talk to him. Try to just treat him like he's a he's a regular guy. I think that's what he wants. He gets a little tired of being treated like he's you know black. This celebrity, untouchable. I mean, he is, but I think he just wants some friends when he comes on the podcast. I'll work on that. All right. <laughs> well, here's a rundown of today's show. We just did the rewind, which was awesome. Next, we're going to have our mailbag section, which is new. Don't click it yet. <laughs> we can... <laughs> we're going to do our trending segment. Trending topic. And just like we predicted, Colin Kaepernick is still trending. Now there's more players. Opening weekend of the NFL was this weekend, and more players, maybe around 10 or so that I read about, are kneeling or putting their fists in the air during the national anthem. So we'll talk about that for our trending topic. And then topic of the day will basically be our thumbs up or thumbs down on the Black Lives Matter movement. And then previewing episode three, we're going to talk next episode about how did the hood become the hood so with that let's get to our mailbag you can email us on our mailbag to chopping it up podcast at gmail.com totally stole that from blues clues (laughs) do you know blues clues tyler I do. I have five children. You know yes, you do. You have. Oh, kids still watch Blues Clues? Oh, I, yeah, have, man. Blues have we, to be we, 90 years old. That dog is going to sue us. We old us. school, man. We, we still watching on VHS. We old school in my house. I'm, what? That dog is going to sue us for stealing their mailbag song. <laughs> I love that show. Tell them what they I love you, Blue Dog. Don't sue me. We don't. Producer Kyle, do we have any mail? Yes, we do. What? We have a. Uh, <laughs> We have two pieces of mail, and we're going to save the best for last. But the first oh, one is Lord. from our homie, Joel Clark, who is a fan of the show. He says... I think Joel is the only fan of the show. <laughs> what up, Joel? The only fan. <laughs> I love Joel, man. Yes. He's number so one, we'll he's number one fan. Yeah. One, one out of one. Uh, he says, first off, I already love this podcast, and we'll listen weekly. You guys are informative and entertaining, and I think this would do a ton of good. Now, I want to offer some thoughts regarding the flag and why some people may have an issue with Colin's actions. I know some are upset because they are in denial of what's going on around them, and others are upset because the media told them to be. However, when it comes to some veterans, I might be able to offer some insight as I am a grandson, nephew, and brother to veterans who serve World War II, Vietnam, Desert Storm, and Afghanistan. The two things the flag can represent are liberty and hope. Liberty. The fact that the flag exists means we are free from the tyranny of the King of England. We can put into office who we want and we can worship the God of our choice. 
Now, I am aware the tyranny of England is no longer a threat and that those liberties are applied, are only applied to white land-owning men when the flag uh, was first established. So take what you will regarding liberty. However, I feel hope is stronger of the two. In battle, the flag bearer was the most important role of the soldiers. He gave direction as far as where to rally and what to march behind. He gave purpose in the midst of the chaos. Most importantly, he gave hope. As long as the flag was standing, there was hope that we will succeed. When the flag bearer went down, the next man in line dropped his weapons and would carry the banner. Francis Scott Key was a prisoner on a British ship when he wrote the Star Spangled Banner, and he wrote it because as long as that flag was raised, he knew there was hope. Hope that no matter how bad today is, it will get better. Hope that hope that means all is not lost. Hope that we can have a say in the future of this country to sit during the national anthem can come across as, as there is no hope. There is a reverence and honor for the flag that even I have a hard time fully comprehending. I remember my grandfather was livid with me for having American flag boxers, and I didn't even have purpose to owning them outside of thinking they were funny. He honored the flag too much for me to disrespect it in that way. When a soldier dies, the flag is folded expertly by soldiers and given to the spouse or closest relative to be treasured as this flag represents their service. I, I completely agree with Colin Kaepernick's reason, and I think that the protests should make people uncomfortable. That is the point. To get us all to talk about the issues, I am with him 100% on his stance and his heart behind it. However, I can understand why for some, this is a line crossed. I apologize for the length of this email. You should. But I have Amen. been torn on this issue for the last few weeks. Thank you, Joel Clark, a Whoa. happy white man. First question, Tyler, do you, <laughs> forget, do you forgive Joel Clark for the length of his email? He apologized for it. Do we forgive him? It was pretty long. Um, no, I don't forgive anyone, so no. <laughs> hey, man, Joe, I loved it, man. That's my dude. We talk about hip-hop, but I, I love his, I, I love, like, the fact that he talks about, like, hey, man, you know, I'm from a family of soldiers. Right. And, um, you know, I, I he understands, like, how a lot of people are just, don't disrespect the flag. He, he, he understands that firsthand because he got the same flag that <laughs> kind of Colin got at one point, right? Mm-hmm. 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 American flag boxers. I couldn't help but. That's a good. I mean, that's a good. It's a good point. It's a good illustration, really. I'm not going there. I'm yeah. just not. No, I, I appreciate what Joel wrote. I think it does help. It 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 magnifies a little bit what we talked about last episode, which is what does the flag represent? And it's probably. Yeah. Um, you know, we said it. Rep- I, I said it represents freedom. Um, we, we kind of separated it representing the actual military itself. Um, mm-hmm. there, there, for Colin, the flag obviously represents the country, mm-hmm. whereas for others, the flag represents something, I would say, more noble than even just the country. I think what Joel's grandfather is saying there is it's representing something more noble, maybe even a set of values or something. Yeah, um, yeah. That's bigger than the country, but for Colin, it represents the country. What do you think, Tyler? Yeah. I mean, uh, first, I think I appreciate the fact that he was extremely balanced, um, which is often lacking in these kind of conversations. It's usually uh, I'm I'm totally one way or I'm totally the other. So I appreciate his balance. 
um, and his perspective. Um, I, I, I can see his point um, that it represents hope. Um, just me personally, it, it does not do that to me. Um, I'm kind of indifferent uh, when I see it. It, it doesn't it doesn't represent hope. It doesn't represent freedom. It doesn't it, just personally. It doesn't represent any of that. It's just the flag for the country that I live in. There's no deeper sentiment, um, and that makes me that may make me a horrible American. But just personally, it's just it's the flag that represents the country that I live in. Well, that's not, nothing deeper. I think it's important to point out, you know, Joel mentioned, it goes back to Francis Scott Key, and he's talking about the, the Revolutionary War. Um, I don't have all my dates in order, but I know 1776 is when, you know, our independence came. And you talk about how a white person remembers the founding of their country and how we got here. That is how we got here. How a black yeah. person remembers the founding of the country as far as how you got here it's a different memory yeah i mean it's i mean when, when i talk to a lot of uh, my white brothers and sisters they have a much more romanticized view of america mm-hmm. uh much more uh fairy tale story you know they remember all of the good none of the bad uh that happened to uh the people who were here originally <laughs> and native americans here to be yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. People, which was a genocide. Here, yeah, a complete genocide. Complete. And what yeah. happened to the people who uh, were brought here as free labor? So I, we don't have that. Most of the black people that I know, there's there's some. Um, they don't have that same romanticized view. Most most of the ones I know uh, who had that same view, a lot of them served in the military. Yeah. So I mean, I can completely understand. You're willing to die for something. Yeah. I totally understand you being ticked off that a player that makes $19 million wants to take a stand on something. So, I mean, I understand that side. I actually understand, um, to some degree, their um, anger toward him. I don't agree with it, but I can I can see that argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they, they put their lives on. They, put, they literally put their lives on the line. Yeah. So. And, and that's what I was going to say is, like, I, <clears throat> I... I agree with Colin and what he did, and I stand behind him. But I, I, I do know that what Colin is doing, he's not saying, hey, um, I am disrespecting all the soldiers who put their lives on the line for this country. I am no not way. doing no that. Way. I, you know, as a, as, as, as a citizen and as my grandfather's uh, and my great-grandfather fought uh, for this country, you know, I have mad respect for them. And, I mean, they're, you know, all soldiers and everyone who served, you know, they're the reason why we have this freedom now. But but all I'm saying is that, and what I believe this is Colin's stance, um, is that, you know, as, as people of color in America, you know, the same honor that a, a white soldier has, you know, I, we've dealt with. But we didn't get that same honor as people of color. Like our, Tyler, you know, he always sends me some stuff through Facebook, some resources. Uh, so it was dope to actually <laughs> see. Yeah, it's, it's, he sends You're me resources. Laughing. Yeah. So it's, you know, it, this is going to be for our upcoming uh, uh, show, but it was about redlining mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. how the hood became the hood, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. And this story came from a actual, um, he was a vet, right, Tyler? 
He was yeah, a fan. He was, and yeah. he talked about how he tried to go into a neighborhood to buy a home and they were would not sell him this home. Now, this was a soldier who had money and everything from the service. You know, he, he, you know, he's out of war. He wanted to just get a home for his family. Now, these are the type of things that people of color, even soldiers, they we they have to deal with this coming home. Still the issues of racism. So that flag is saying, hey, this is the land of the free, but hey, my people, we're not living free yet. Right. One thing, well, I don't want to conclude this because what we're going to actually do is we have a pretty awesome trending drop. Why don't we go ahead and drop that right now? We're going to merge our mailbag section with our trending section because they're the same topics this time around. Boom. That was awesome. Hey, now. So to maybe wrap up that email, there has to be a way for free Americans of all colors to critique our country and to pr- even protest things going on in our country mm-hmm. with that, especially in, a, you know, in an election year, we're, we're going to disagree on things. And, and I hear that a lot from people of all perspectives. That's what makes our country, our country is we're allowed to disagree. A lot of countries, you look at whether it's the Islamic state or even, I don't know, China, you know, where you say certain things and you get put in jail or whatever. We have freedom and that's we're we're allowed to disagree so can we disagree and even critique our country critique things going on in politics without it making with without it sounding like or being interpreted as we hate our country or we're disgracing the flag if if everybody has to agree with everything the united states of america does and if they don't agree then they're disgracing the flag then there's something that's misidentified there the flag is not the same as our country, um, you know, and if, if Colin wants to say I'm disagreeing with our country here, he's allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. We're all allowed to do that, mm-hmm. right? I mean, no, yeah. not everybody agrees with everything that happens in the White House. The people in the White House don't agree with everything that happens in the White House. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We've got to figure out a way to do that, to have that conversation, and to protest. Yeah. We're allowed to protest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I think what, what I'm getting from you is, is that, and and also this goes back to, to, to Joe's email and uh, to my feelings with this, is that, yeah, he, 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 let's, we're protesting this country. That's what we're protesting. Right. And again, to, I hope every, I will, if you're a soldier, if you're a vet, we respect, we, we give you honor for, oh what you gosh, do for this country. Yeah. And, and yeah. believe me, you know, if, if if there was one seat left on like an airplane, I would get up for a soldier for right. them to sit. That's how much respect I have for vets and soldiers. Um, but but you, you're right. We're colonists. We're protesting this country for you know the the acts of, of injustice and racism. Mm-hmm. And that shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that a country our our size, there's always going to be injustices mm-hmm. going on, and it's our right. Or not, I shouldn't say our right. It's our, we're called to protest when we see injustice, especially for me as a follower of Christ. Uh, I'm, God's heart is for those that are experiencing injustice, oppression, and that, that happens in a, many different ways. And when it happens globally, domestically, we're, we're to protest that. So. One thing, one, one narrative that really bothers me, and, and me and you joke, were joking about this last week, is the whole, if you don't like this, go to another country. Right. 
for Dulcimer. First of all, where else would I go? <laughs> uh, I, there's not a place uh, for someone who was born in this country, and I don't have a country of origin other than America. Uh, but that that narrative is, is rather rather foolish. That's like you know my my wife not liking uh, one of my bad habits. Well, if, if you don't like the fact that I didn't take the garbage out, why don't you go get a divorce? You know, so <laughs> so which which bad habit are you referring to? There's many we can talk about. There, there is a laundry list. We need to get <laughs> her on the podcast as a special guest. Don't, do not get my wife. <laughs> but you know, it's it's because because I because I dislike or I have an issue with injustice or I I, I don't like to see um, black and brown people. Or, or women, for that matter, marginalized doesn't mean I hate America. Exactly. It means I hate. It, it means I hate injustice. So right. that whole that narrative is is, is, is is very very flawed logic. Right. Yeah. Well, we have one more mailbag to get to. Kyle's going to read it, but I want to give just a preface of who wrote it. Just Tyler for you and for listeners. It's anonymous. We're going to keep anonymous, but um, this shows some of the complexity when we talk about the flag when we talk about um race so i just want you to know tyler this is from a friend of mine um and it's someone that is definitely a brother in christ and someone who is i'll be the judge of that um so (laughs) i don't want i'm gonna be nice i'll be nice treat this i want us to treat it very i actually thought about the the lansing state journal piece i read last week and I was being a little snarky with it. I don't want to be snarky because this shows um, there's just two sides to different arguments. And this is someone that I'm a close friend with. Um, and they're, they are living out. Yes, they're white. Um, they're not as sort of what you might consider a, a stereotypical person, white person who's hands off on all, um, issues of poverty and those sorts of things they're they're living out the gospel in a, in a mm-hmm. very real way so i just want to i just want to point that out and then uh kyle go ahead and, and read it this was uh just emailed to me personally and uh asked if i asked if i could have permission to read it on the podcast all right it says i have the same american experience when i get pulled over to why is it immediately assumed that the race is the motivating factor i couldn't persevere with the rest of the podcast after the first 12 minutes or so sorry i assume you did talk about his white parents who adopted the biracial child nearly 29 years ago i also assumed you talked about the impact of fatherless black families in the inner city as late as 1965 and 75 percent of black children were born to married women Today, over 73% of black babies are born to unwed mothers. Again, so much for the legacy of slavery argument, uh, which is a quote from Walter Williams, professor of economics at George Mason University. What we see today in the youth and young black lives is a direct relation to the absent fathers and the corruption of family values. There's plenty of blame to go around, but only one solution. I'm tired of the blame game and the politically correct approach that depravity isn't the primary problem in our society, regardless of color. 
perhaps Colin Kaepernick should count his blessings and let people know about that instead of pretending he understands racism and prejudice and accuses our country of actively oppressing black people. Yet, black people and people of color take no responsibility of it themselves, like Kaepernick's father who abandoned his 19-year-old mother. How do these facts get filtered into the discussion on oppression and race relations? Signed, Noah Philippian. Stop. <laughs> Tyler, I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you start. Oh, uh, where do I start? <laughs> um, I could start with this. There's a. There's a. There's a. Yeah, please start. Divided by faith. What which I, we'll talk about more next week. <laughs> We talk about the topic how did the hood become the hood there's a book divided by faith which really anyone listening to this podcast who's white especially a white evangelical christian really 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 needs to read divided by faith um it's written by two white sociologists who are believers and it just traces the history of race in america it traces how the white evangelical church responded every step of the way and they do lots of surveys with current day white evangelicals but my point is one of the things that white evangelicals do when it comes to race is we we make it very very individual so the um the solution to let's say race on both sides so a racist white person needs to become saved and just become you know repent of their sin and then if every racist white person does that racism will be gone and then the other side you have maybe the the people talked about in this email so you have the black uh, father who abandoned the 19 year old mother he needs to get saved uh, through jesus and then repent of his sin and then if he does that he'll be a good father and if you know everyone does that then, then the problem is solved and so it's one of the reasons historically that the white evangelical church has just totally avoided topics of race and racism uh, in political spheres and all sorts of things that, um, from, you know, from slavery on to civil rights because we were concerned about getting people saved. And if you get people saved, like I said, those are, those are the results. So that's, I think, the, the heart behind this when he says the problem is depravity. That's what he's talking about. Um, and so we're it's, it's it's hard to interact with because it's in in some ways it's apples and oranges it's two it's two different constructs to approaching it one is a is an individual way of looking at it and another is a systemic it's a national it's a trend it's a historical way of looking at it so i don't know if that helps <laughs> you respond tyler but i think it might give a little context to <laughs> where that line of thought is coming from um okay so the very first uh protest um in america was uh, by richard allen Athelon jones and about 30 other black um slave um, um some were slaves some were free in philadelphia you know what this protest was saint george united methodist church in the whites only section so the, 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 the answer is not just quote get people saved um, because this was a church full of people who profess Christ and they had a whites only section um, there's many 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 deep roots um, in the Ku Klux Klan that come from churches yeah. people who profess to be 
uh, Christians. Oh, wait, they burned crosses on people's lawns. Um, so the answer is just, quote, not get people saved. Because these people would swear up and down that they were uh, Christians. Many of them weren't, probably. But um, it's a deeper issue. Um, I believe, and I, I believe 100% with all my heart, that the gospel answers all of our uh, societal woes and all of our issues in life. Right. Um, but we have to apply the gospel to these conversations, not just say, uh, well, I'm a Christian, you need to act more like Jesus. No, what did Jesus say about um, injustice? What did Jesus say about um, the issues of the day? Uh, what is the, and how does the gospel apply to it? Um, but the problem is many don't want to have that conversation. They just want to do what we've been doing all these years in this country, just stopping our ears and acting like that's not happening. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up about Kaepernick, because that's one of the things, well, I'll get back to that in a minute. Um, on the black side, the, the whole hueism that, that has been applied to uh, athletes like Colin Kaepernick, um, and maybe that's a, another topic for another day, and mm-hmm. even Steph Curry, um, the whole right. hueism. Yeah. Because um, I heard uh, Rodney, Rodney Harrison say, well, he ain't black enough to speak to these issues. Right. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's folly on both ends, but the whole, um, he has the same, same experience he gets pulled over by the police I, I would love to know how many times he got pulled over by four cars for a routine traffic stop because right. that has literally happened to me in Midland, Michigan um, has he had six police officers walk to his car um, with weapons <laughs> pointed at the vehicle uh, for a routine traffic stop and I asked how many times has he had been inquired or has, has, he, has someone asked him are there any weapons in your vehicle for uh, a speeding ticket right. uh, or a speeding stop, so um, again, it's it's easy to 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 spot out statistics and to say, well, seventy uh, percent of uh, black children are born in uh, single parent homes, and not look at the mass incarceration that has been happening since for the last thirty years, um, and and how the welfare system in this country was set up to take men out of so again, it's complex issues and complex right. conversations, and that we need to have. And instead of just saying, "Well, this statistic says this," well, how do we get these statistics? Exactly. You know, what 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 social engineering happened in this country? Uh, mass incarceration, yes. um, ridic- ridiculously unjust sentencing of black men. Um, you get pulled over, and you got a bag of weed. Now you now you're on probation. You're. Um, you're, you're on probation for five years and you can't get a job. Uh, less than a grand. No. Mm-hmm. Less than a grand. Yeah. But you know, yeah, and and a white person literally will hear that and say, and I, I can just read already in my brain comments I've already seen on stuff I've written, that black person should not have broken the law. Okay. They should not have had that weed with them. And if they didn't break the law, then they wouldn't have been on probation they wouldn't have gone to jail but but, but here but here here's my point here's my question to that how does seven percent of the population black men are roughly seven percent of the population how does seven percent of the population um how are they more than 50 percent of the prison population that the white even, answer that doesn't even make literally it. people will just say no they shouldn't have committed those crimes and, but this, but that doesn't matter so so seven percent of the population could commit over half the crimes in this country that doesn't make that 
That, come on, man. <laughs> I want to say this, because <clears throat> you two know my background, where I came from. I came from a life of selling drugs. Mm-hmm. Most of my connects, all of, you know, not even most, all of my connects, and connects means people who actually have, have the drugs, whatever you're selling, whatever you want, were white people. Mm. These were white people who did not stay in the hood. Right. I would have to drive to the suburbs, and this wasn't just Detroit. It was also when I lived in Chicago. We don't have access to get that stuff. We we don't we 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 we, we don't have the connects with the with the dudes from overseas. Most of these people who who, who we have connects with, who we get drugs from in the hood, are white people. Mm-hmm. That's at least has been my experience. And and we're being locked up, and because he he mentions that you know the 73 percent um, of black babies being born to unwed mothers, and as Tyler said, a lot of that has to do with the mass incarceration. Now, brother, wh- what all I'm saying is that is that the our experience, of, of course, we're saying this is the you know the gospel answers. You know, to, to all of our to what's going on and, and the problem of sin and but 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 all we want everyone to, to understand that people of color, this is not a coincidence. These things are real. It's happening. And this is we are dealing with acts of injustice. So the fact that you know these statistics are here, you know, it's it's sad for me to even read these statistics. But th- this is this is our reality. And, you know, and, and of course, I was riding with Noah when I first came to Lansing. Um, we were coming from a church in the suburbs. And um, I'm, I'm going one way and there's a sheriff, a, a cop. He goes the opposite direction. So we're passing each other. And as soon as he notices me and, you know, I'm black, so I'm going to look right. I, I look in my rearview mirror. He does a quick turnaround and gets directly behind me. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> what is he doing? He's checking my plates, right? right? So immediately he slows up, comes slowly on my right passenger side, and who does he see? He see Noah. And he keeps going. So that <laughs> if Noah wasn't sitting in that car, I guarantee you, I would have a different story as in, hey man, you know, I got pulled over. This right. is what happened. Mm-hmm. But I didn't get pulled over. And these are the type of things that I had to deal with growing up. I mean, and I'm only 26 years old. So my experiences are mainly when I'm just, you know, an older teenager. That's, that's sickening. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't tell you how many times that I, I had to put my bare hands on a cop car getting checked. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a quote or a line in there about taking responsibility and that's something we might hit on more in our topic of the day next time which is about how did the hood become the hood Mm -hmm. but that's often a something that whites will say which is kind of two sides of that one blacks that are are poor especially and and those that are sort of crying out white privilege these sorts of things Mm -hmm. they need to one take responsibility and so they'll look at like someone on welfare and say okay they're not taking responsibility 
uh, or they'll take this, uh, you know, this dad this, of the, that left the 19-year-old, Colin's dad, okay, ditches the baby, right? Well, that dad didn't take responsibility, and now we're blaming the system for what that black guy individually did. Uh, and then on the other side of it, it's this idea that because you can claim white privilege and all these things, you're, you're expecting, you know, white society basically to fix your problems, to bail you out, those sorts of things. Um, those are some of the sentiments, you know, that are out there. You hear that stuff just, just said, just said with names on it on Facebook, people aren't, you know, afraid or ashamed to say those, those views. Um, I, I think it's very important to say that there are, first of all, many, many blacks who are very much taking responsibility and who are facing a, a climb of Mount Everest sometimes, sometimes for what they're born into because of the system to get out of it. And not everybody can make that climb. And it's a climb that I never had to make. And I think that's very important. And it's also important to know that there are tons of black advocates who are fighting against fatherlessness, who are fighting against these things. Absolutely. To, to, to assume that there aren't black, you know, brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ, as well as non-believers. I mean, but pe people that are fighting against these issues in within black urban culture is, um, it's very insulting. It's very, it's, it, and it, we shouldn't generalize. We, there's, you cannot generalize and say, blacks don't take responsibility. Um, because many of them are, many, many are, and, and it's just not fair to say, to, to just use some, some sort of blanket statement. I, I challenge, I would challenge all of my Christian brothers and sisters who are white to, if you don't take our word for what's going on, I want you to do life and disciple disciple a, a younger black person so you can actually mm -hmm. hear these conversations hear hear, hear the, the, the um, you'll, you'll notice that a lot of the some of these black teenage fathers don't know how to be fathers because mm -hmm. they didn't have fathers because they didn't <laughs> have fathers but they they want to know they want to know you know what is the credit score they want to know how to balance a checkbook they want to know how to fill out an application and once we start teaching them you'll start to see things turn around because we're, we're you know with all of these things going on we, we still forget that there are there are um you know uh, black people who who make it and who who had a great upbringing but uh but 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 have issues at like a um a harvard i have a friend of mine who went to k college and another friend of mine went to university of michigan and they have countless stories of um of, of just the racism that they had to deal with so it's even even if we make it out of the hood we still deal with things um and and, and acts of injustice wherever we go so well, to, not to, ahead, that, to the take the to the take the responsibility thing, um, I'm trying to say this in the most, uh, well, in the not <laughs> the least abrasive way. Um, this country historically has been a country that has never taken responsibility for the plight of minorities in this country. Um, again, there there was 
legalized um, legislation um, not allowing blacks to live in certain places, not allowing blacks to go to certain schools. So you, you say, hey, why don't why don't you get more educated? Why, why, why aren't blacks more educated? How about because their grandfather and their mothers weren't allowed to go to certain high schools and certain colleges, so they don't see a premium in, a premium in education That's right. right? because they were locked out. Um, so take responsibility on the fact that we're entering the race 10 steps behind uh, a family that education and, and, and credit and property ownership, those things are just standard. We're trying to catch up because those things were withheld up until the last uh, 40 years. Mm-hmm. So take responsibility for, um, and we're probably going to talk about this next week, take responsibility for how we got to where we are. Right. Um, and secondly, as Christians, quote, take responsibility. What does Jesus say about the least of these? Those who are in prison, those who are who are hungry, those who are thirsty, those who don't have clothes. Does Jesus say they need to pull the, themselves up by their bootstraps? What did Jesus say? When you care for them, you care for me. Right. So uh, that 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 whole argument just really really rubs me the wrong way because you you claim to be a Christian uh, doctrinally, but your 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 orthodoxy, your your life, the way you live it out, is more based on your political leaning or based on the culture around you, as opposed to the the the, the teachings of the gospel. We don't ignore the poor. We don't chastise the poor for being poor. We don't ask them, uh, interview them why why they're in the situation that they're in. No, we we extend the grace that we see in the gospel. Segue here for next week when we talk about how did the hood become the hood. It's not a coincidence, and I think I said this on the air last episode, but it's not a coincidence if you drive through or walk through the poorest neighborhoods in any metropolitan area Lansing, Detroit, Chicago, you know, Jackson, Battle Creek, small, smaller cities as well, like that. The poorest neighborhoods will be densely populated with people mm-hmm. that are black and other people of color the nicer neighborhoods and especially those outside in the suburban areas are going to be densely populated with white people um, there's it doesn't just happen it doesn't just happen it's not just a it doesn't just happen that way people don't just wake up and choose that and so we'll talk about that more next week so tune in our topic of the day next week will be how the hood became the hood so for i'm going to segue now to our topic of the day for this week which is our thumbs up or thumbs down on the black lives matter movement so tyler i'm gonna let you lead this one because i thought of this as a topic of the day based on a facebook post you wrote I can't remember exactly when it was. It might have been when mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter protesters were, you know, laying down in the street, blocking traffic, those sorts of things. And you said something to, mm-hmm. along the lines of, uh, look, you may not agree with the way people are protesting, but it doesn't make the actual issues of oppression go away. You know, hashtag you ain't slick, something along those lines. <laughs> uh, and so uh, maybe you can requote that and more accurately. But what did you mean by that? Well, um, first, I I am 
and I'll, I'll just put my cards on the table. I'm not a fan of the Black Lives um, Matter movement as a movement, but mm-hmm. I I am a fan of the the philosophy and ideology that they originally were attempting to get across. That hey, um, the black life is equal to the white life. Uh, I agree with that, and I would affirm that um, a thousand percent. Um, I don't agree with a lot of their methodology, and I don't agree with a lot of their other philosophy. If you go to their website, um, you can see that. Um, so, original intent, I totally agree with, but when they start protesting about McDonald's getting five, fifteen dollars an hour and all the, all, the, all the other things that they got into, no, really, I mean, that, they really got involved in all the other. Yeah, I can't, I can't rock with a lot of the other stuff. What I was saying was people were dismissing um, their concern and dismissing their voice because they didn't like the motive. So you just you're throwing the baby, the bathwater, the soap. You're throwing everything out just because the fact that they were laying down in the street, or uh, or, or the fact that um, they were very abrasive and very loud um, in their approach. So you're just totally dismissing the concern. Um, and I just think that was a way of of of, of further not hearing further stopping of the ears I suppose to um, try and actually hear what the concern was mm-hmm. speaking of methods I want to tell all of my Black Lives Matter brothers and sisters <coughs> excuse me <coughs> it's, it's that funny um, to stop protesting at night because somebody just got hit by a car in St. Louis in the street at nighttime, he was in the middle of a highway and got hit. Protest, that's okay, but don't do it at night in a busy highway. Thank you for and that. And we're all black. <laughs> and we're all black. And we're all black. Thank yeah. you for that nugget of wisdom, Kyle, producer. That's a good. That's a good tip. It's good. Um, black Lives Matter. I have a yard sign in my sign. It says in my yard. It says Black Lives Matter on it. Uh, when the Black Lives Matter movement started, you know, look, this is just a perspective of, of a white guy who's trying to create, be a part of a team that's creating a multiracial church. I live in the inner city, um, urban church, you know, this is where my heart is. But I think when Black Lives Matter started, it really was that phrase, Black Lives Matter. <laughs> um, and I have always been a on my blog especially a huge proponent of black lives matter as an official movement and it's because i believe in those three words so much if you take out the uppercase blm and you make them a lowercase blm that black lives matter i'm 110 percent behind that what what's happened is black lives matter and i wasn't sure about this as an official stance or not I, I wondered recently who's in charge of black lives matter um is there mm-hmm. someone when someone goes off the rails because at this point it seems like you can take you can take any a black lives matter banner or sign or t-shirt and you can run through the streets like a crazy person you know shooting a gun in the air or something like that and because you're mm-hmm. holding the banner it's this officially sanctioned black lives matter thing and so you've seen things like this uh it was i I don't remember the city but video of of people chanting 
um, like cops or pigs, fry them up mm-hmm. like bacon, wrap them in a blanket, fry them like bacon. Ridiculous. Pe- people post when I when I write in favor of Black Lives Mattering, people post that video on my page and say you're supporting this group, and I and I write back and say, well, there's you're gonna have rogue people doing rogue things, but that doesn't mean that that reflects the core of the movement. My issue. I looked up an article, I d- they didn't have an author on it, but it's from the blacklivesmatter.com webpage, mm-hmm. and it's just called 11 Major Misconceptions About the Black Lives Matter Movement, mm-hmm. and there were two in particular that really bothered me. Uh, one of them, it's the misconception they're saying is that it's a leaderless movement, which is what I'm kind of observing. It seems like a leaderless movement. They call it a leaderful movement. And I'll just read a couple lines from it. It says, Many Americans of all races are enamored with Martin Luther King as a symbol of leadership and what real movements look like. But the Movement for Black Lives, another name for the BLM movement, recognizes many flaws with this model. So many flaws with Martin Luther King's model. Which is a problem in a sense because he he was very successful at what he did. See, that, that goes back to... Let's go back to the 60s. Let's go back. Now, who who also disagreed with Martin at that time? Malcolm. Malcolm X. Because they approached to things where, like, Malcolm, like, you know what? You guys can do all your peaceful chanting, but we're taking right. we're taking force if we have to. Right. You know, so I, I think it's, it, it, you know, I've been to the rally here in Lansing, mm-hmm. and it was a lot of, yeah, man, you know, we, we got to do something. And peaceful <laughs> okay. protesting ain't it. I'm just saying. I got, I got guns ready. This is stuff that I'm hearing. And Lord. you got a lot of different, and that's why, to me, I think it's it's so many different people in this in the in the Black Lives Matter group um, who, who just want to take different approaches. And I, I think it's, it's a little unorganized right now uh, because so many people are like, you, you know, it, it was a lot of emotion. It's a lot of things that, that, that's going on right now. Um, and, you know, it was, this is right after Philando got shot and, and, and uh, Alton. So it was, I know for a fact that a lot of people don't want the peaceful protest. I, I know this, this is black friends of mine. Well, let me read this. When I defend the Black Lives Matter movement, I say basically... Look, just like in the 60s, you know, Martin Luther King stood for peaceful protests and people were doing violent things, mm-hmm. but he took us, he, he stood up and said, no, this is how we're going to do it. And if they're doing it that way, they're not with me. They're not with this movement. And I started to wonder, is there anyone within Black Lives Matter that is like a Dr. King type of person? Now, for, for us, like, who are followers of Christ, that was one thing that we could see in him was Jesus. We could see that in him. Uh, so beyond them coming out and saying this is a leader full movement, which to me really means everybody's a leader, that means nobody's a leader. You literally can do anything you want with a Black Lives Matter banner and you're you're a part of the movement. That, that, that's, that, that's, not, that's not leader full. That's not right. leader full. Right. Um, but it says number six of the misconceptions. The misconception is the black church has no role to play. And then they try to explain it. But truly, the black church, the way they explain it, does not have a role to play. They just sort of invent their idea of what church is. But let me read a couple lines here. It says, many know that the black church was central to the civil rights movement, and many black male preachers became prominent civil rights leaders. 
This current movement has a very different relationship to the church than movements past. Black churches and black preachers in Ferguson have been on the ground helping since the early days after Michael Brown's death, but, check this sentence out, protesters patently reject any conservative theology about keeping the peace, praying copiously, or turning the other cheek. Such calls are viewed as a return to passive respectability policies. Whew. Did you guys know that? I mean, I didn't know that until I just read, until I read this article. Yeah. I mean, again, this movement is, like I said, there, there were different people believed in, in different religions that were there. Some atheists. There, there's a lot of different opinions that's in this group, and there are people who want to do the Martin, uh, to, to do the Dr. King approach. There, there is, but again, you know, one thing I disagree with is saying that there, this is a leaderful movement. Right now, it is. Everybody is just picking up chapters. Oh, this is the Black Lives Matter movement of Battle Creek, and it's just, it's, it's like that. But I, I will say that for me. And um, for other brothers and sisters I know, we agree that, hey, black lives do matter. And it, it, you know, peaceful protests and speaking of and not only speaking of, you know, um, at the city council, but that our churches are speaking up uh, to other brothers and sisters about this issue. Let's do that. But one thing I will not do, I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not taking a violent approach to anything um, and. And because I, I respect the next man, whether it's color or without color, I don't think anyone should lose their life because of what I am going through as a black person. So, the, you know, yeah. The, this is another, well, this is in a lot of ways, um, I, can't, I think it was Charlie Dates, a um, very profound uh, pastor in Chicago. Um, he pointed out that this, the birth of the Black Lives Matter movement um, is because the black church has been asleep at the wheel. Um, historically, historically, every uh, civil rights movement, every struggle for uh, to end oppression was birthed out of the black church. I mean, I referenced Richard Allen uh, earlier. That was the very first uh, protest. Um, it was in a black church. I mean, it was in a white church by black uh, congregants. And the black church has been at the forefront, the cutting edge of uh, fighting against injustice, fighting to end slavery, fighting to have uh, for black, blacks to have rights. And you can go on and on with all of the pastors slash activists uh, that were, and, and many women, many, many uh, men and women of God who um, stood on the gospel, but also stood against the uh, social ills. Um, so with this with this movement coming um, that doesn't have that gospel foundation, this is what you're going to get. Um, and it, and it, is, it is because I, I think that the, the black church has kind of drifted into a, a, a comfort that you see in the, the, the same comfort in the white evangelical church that, you know, mm. there's really nothing there's really nothing to be mad about. You know, We're, you know, life's good. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the, a lot of the black churches um, that were uh, prominent in, in standing against um, injustice, they've got comfortable and they moved to the suburbs and they they're enjoying um, enjoying the American dream. So there's really nothing to be uh, mad about. So no need to protest. 
<laughs> and then when you when you leave that void, when you leave that void and you lose that that voice, um, that's when the when you have the birth of a Black Lives Matter. Same thing happened with the Black Panthers when Dr. King died, uh, and and a lot of the the, the uh, people who walked with him and marched with him, they were just so burnt out, had so much fatigue, they just kind of stopped speaking. They just stopped protesting. They felt defeated and deflated because their leader was gone. And what happened? Boom, Stokely Carmichael. Uh, the Black Panthers came up. This, mm-hmm. History always repeats itself. Right. When the black church is silent, when the black church is silent, these rogue groups come up. Mm. Yeah. As you read through these 11, I didn't quote any of these, but you, you also see a lot of language in there that the Black Lives Matter movement as an official movement also has a lot to do with uh, transgender and gay and lesbian mm-hmm. um, you know, rights. And that's another topic. Um, I, I, and I blog about that as well. And, and there should be you know, legal rights and such for um, the LGBT community. I don't know, and I, I don't know what you guys think of this. We don't need to talk about this here. I, I'm going to use it to kind of come back to Dr. King, but I'm not sure that the two movements need to be one and the same. It seems to, it seems that it, if the movement is Black Lives Matter, that seems like that's enough. It's a lot on a, on a plate, right? It's a lot on a plate. <laughs> um, Definitely. One thing they, they, they were critiquing, and number two, I'll read this, about the, the leaderless movement. It says, with Dr. King, first focusing on heterosexual, cisgender, which means the opposite of transgender, cisgender black men frequently causes us not to see the significant amount of labor and thought leadership that black women provide to movements, uh, etc., as well as gays and lesbians providing to a movement, etc. Those things are, you know... Those are true statements, but it, it doesn't mean there shouldn't be a leader in a movement or that Dr. King was flawed as a leader uh, in that sense. I, I, I bring that up to say, where do we go from here? I have a Black Lives Matter movement, or a Black Lives Matter sign in my yard. It has those three words. It's in all caps. Um, I'm not comfortable with this document in my hand. You know, I'm not comfortable with these, <laughs> this. We're, we're, we're against Jesus saying, turn the other cheek. Mm-hmm. You know, we're against that. Literally, that's what it says. You know, we're, we're against there being a leader like Dr. King who stands up and says peaceful protest is the way to go. Um, we're mixing in more than just black lives, you know, a, a mo- movement. Um, but I want to, desperately want to protest the injustices done to people of color. So I need a new yard set. I need a new movement, you know. Here, here's my here's my other two cents of the Black Lives Matter uh, movement, and I, I wrote a blog about this um, uh, last year, and uh, it went over like a lamp alone. But um, I think I think the whole I think the whole philosophy of Black Lives Matter, the, the way they are the way they're trying to articulate it, is rather incomplete. They're saying Black Lives Matter that are taken by police officers. Um, what about the three thousand? black babies that are aborted a day you know uh, if, if, that, if that's the correct number but that's the number I keep saying what about the 500 homicides in Chicago um, there what about the I mean Detroit's always knocking on 400 homicides a year too those black lives matter too so we need to be a lot more holistic in our approach um, to stopping this genocide um, mm-hmm. You know the the, uh, the 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 genocide from the womb, the 
genocide in Chicago, the the mm. the ridiculously unjust killing, the 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 undue harassment by blacks um, in uh, by, by police officers, the the mass incarceration that's happening, all of those Black Lives Matter. That's right. So we need to we need to be a lot more holistic in our approach because man, we're, we're losing we're we're literally losing a generation. Yeah, and it's and it's all and it's and it's in all those different arenas, all those different now, arenas. Are people going to turn a deaf ear to all those things you said because of the, the the official Black Lives Matter movement? Some of the things that I just read, or if there's going to be violent protests and there's sanction, you know, tons of people are going to turn a deaf ear to the capital BLM movement, mm-hmm. and then thus they're going to also turn a deaf ear to all this real issues Tyler that you just mentioned that's what very well, sad to me it I see the same thing happening Black Lives Matter um, as what happened to the Black Panthers mm-hmm. a lot of those movements that came out of the late 60s um, and 70s they run out of steam yeah they run out of steam because th- there's there's no solid foundation we have the solid foundation say that again of, there's no solid foundation yes thank you there's no solid foundation. We have we have the truth. We have the gospel. And if churches that are led by black pastors, churches that are led by white pastors, get back to standing on the gospel truth and get back to to, to, to being those prophetic voices. Right. Um, Dr. King was a, and he was he was a flawed man. We, you know, I, you know, a lot of the first time you a lot of people when you mentioned Dr. King's name. Um, a lot of people roll their eyes because he was a flawed man, but he, he was a prophetic voice to his generation. Right. Um, you know, Frederick Douglass was a man of God. He was a prophetic voice. God spoke through him um, to society. And we, we need to get back to letting God uh, speak through us uh, to these issues because that's the only way. I mean, we've seen it happen. Yes. <laughs> we've seen it happen in this country where, where, where God... Uh, spoke through his people prophetically to culture, to our nation, to to presidents, um, and, and and major change happened. I just think that's a huge point to bring out that Jesus. And when we say gospel, we don't just mean you pray a prayer, Jesus forgive me my sins, and you're going to go to heaven and you're saved. That's a part of the gospel. It's part of the Bible. That, um, but the Bible is very robust and full of commands that Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, that we can't just dismiss the commands and the, the mission of Jesus, the, the, I should say that all these things that he taught, the message of Jesus, just yeah. because mm-hmm. we've boiled it down to a prayer where you can say, forgive me my sins and I'm going to go to heaven. There's a lot of people that we've already mentioned that have prayed that prayer and they own slaves. And, yep. you know, that's... Jonathan Edwards owned slaves, right? And, and others in his <clears throat> era. So just praying that prayer, it doesn't hit on all of the teachings of Jesus. We're not necessarily talking about heaven and hell, eternal destination, when we talk about gospel meaning good news. That's what the word gospel means, the good news of the kingdom coming here to this place. So when you have someone like Dr. King, he has the foundation of Jesus. He has the foundation knowing he's a son of the Father, and we're going to throw stones at him and bricks at him, and he can he can stand because he has Jesus. And frankly, you don't have that in the Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, they're they're actually in their statement that I just read. They're 
making sure people know that that's not what their foundation is. And yeah, yeah. That's that's not going to last. It's just not. We've seen it. We've seen it, like you said. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it's yeah. You know, I'm not going to beat the dead horse, but I mean, where 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 are the uh, Black Panthers? You know, every every 15 years they try to resuscitate them, but they go away. We have new Black Panthers in Detroit that show up and they bark loud, you know, uh, at, at different events or whatever, but nothing nothing lasting happens. Nothing nothing lasting happens ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, I tell you, Tyler, this, this podcast is deep. And what, what we need is a little <laughs> levity. Do you agree? <laughs> uh, no, I don't agree. <laughs> You're wrong. Um, oh, okay. What we're going to do... I don't allow white people to tell me I'm wrong. White people always tell us we're wrong. We're used to it. What we're going to do at this point... I believe somehow our awesome producer Kyle Lake found for the second episode in a row Black Superman. Is that right? Did you track him down, Kyle? Yeah, man. Yeah, I tracked him down. Wow. I had to. He wanted me to PayPal him some money before he came. <laughs> oh man! Uh, but he's coming. He's coming. <sighs> PayPal. <laughs> <laughs> We need to put Black Superman's PayPal info on our website so people can... <laughs> that won't know. be necessary. No, yeah, thank you, I'll sir. give it to you guys. So it is... This PayPal email <laughs> is blackdiamond231 at friedchicken.com. <laughs> oh, wow. Black Diamond. <laughs> he did. That's, that's his, uh, his wife's name. I didn't know he was married. Wow. I thought Black Superman was married to Lois Lane. Well, he takes the approach of multiple wives. <laughs> he doesn't oh, he doesn't oh, just wow. want one wife. He's, he he <laughs> he said he said this and I quote. <laughs> He's just... He said I am too black to be uh, contained to one woman. So that that's just he that's need, him, man. He needs to start a religion. That's how most religions start. He should, you know what? I I am trying to give him the gospel. I thought he was saying, but <laughs> let's bring him in. Let let's, let's uh, ask him. Up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. The black Superman who calls to the other guy. Catch me if you can. Black Superman, welcome back to the Chopping It Up podcast here. How's it going today? Hey, what's up, my white brother? How's it going with you? It's going well. I love looking at your blue eyes every time I come here. Every time every time I look at your eyes, it just reminds me when I'm a bird's eye view over Earth looking at the water. That's how your eyes just look, man. Oh, Black Superman, my co-host Tyler, he, he's a little shy around you. He's a little starstruck. No, he's not shy. He's just scared. That's another white person in the room. I be, I'm kind of scared, too. How you doing, Tyler? Don't worry, I'm here. What up, Don't though, y'all? I'm, I'm good, man. How's it going? I can't believe Is this the time that y'all have been going? It says an hour? We, we read an email by a guy named Joel Clark. It took about 25 minutes to read. Oh, man, listen. White people love to write. It's something about white people. Y'all love to write letters. Well, look, speaking about writing, I, I heard... Long ones. <laughs> what was that, Tyler? I said long ones. 
long ones. Yeah, that's right. I was listening to the radio uh-huh. the other day. I think it was one of those white radio stations. Yeah, okay. And there was a Why song that came on by a artist. I, he's up and coming in the white music scene. His name is Charlie Puth. Oh, man, I love that, brother. He came up on YouTube. Listen, it's nothing like sitting on a volcano cooking steaks and listening to Charlie Puth. Hey, man. That is just, it's a beauty. His, his voice uh, sounds like, uh, you know, Michael. And I'm talking about the Archangel, Michael. <laughs> yeah, I met him once. As a matter of fact, he owed me $20. We went bowling Ooh, in you, heaven. You met Michael the Archangel or Charlie Puth? I met both of them. I saved Charlie Who, Puth. Who's a better bowler, Michael the Archangel or Charlie Puth? Uh, you know... I got to say Charlie because every time I bowl with Michael, he always got to say, hey, I got to go. I got to go stop somebody, you know, say, I gotta go, influence. I got to go that. fight Satan. Yeah, yeah man. So <laughs> that's that's thing about Michael, man. I love, man. Shout out to Michael. I know you're listening right now. I still want that $20. But uh, So yeah. here's some lyrics from Charlie Puth's song. Uh-huh. And uh, the lyrics go like this. I'm only one call away. I'll be there to save the day. Superman got nothing on me. What? I'm only one. I'm only one call away. I'll be there to save the day. Superman got nothing on me. I'm only one call away. Charlie, I should break every mortal bone in your body for saying something like that. He must be talking about the white Superman. I don't know. I think he was calling you out. You think he was? Yeah, he he is the The white Superman. Superman. I think he's saying he's calling you out. You know, Charlie, I hope you're listening. (laughs) He is. I will not only break every bone in your body, but I will take your refrigerator. You understand that? <laughs> I will leave you foodless. And Black Superman said that. Now, Tyler said I, something racist should. about you last week. Really? Listen, first of all, another black person saying something about another black person is not racist. Okay? Most of the times, it's true. Okay? <laughs> only if you said something like that, it will be called racist. But what did he say? I'm listening. Well, we were talking about the Whopperito from Burger Game. You heard about this Whopperito? Whopperito? Yeah. He said... It sounds delicious. Well, he said it's a burrito, but it's wrapped up in a Whopper. And to me, it sounded more like the white person's burrito, because it starts with a W-H. Uh-huh. But he said, you love the Whopperito, but you love the white man's burrito. Tyler, it, is, that the, is that the sandwich you and I was eating the other day? The Whopperito... We may have lost Tyler. Then we lose him. Listen, I I think I had that sandwich before with Tyler, and it was magically delicious. I mean, we had hot sauce. We played James Brown while eating it. You know, I think Charlie Puth came on, too. It's just as a matter of fact. You weren't supposed to tell anybody. That was supposed to be our secret. <laughs> Ty, you there know, are no secrets with that, Black Superman. You, you know, Tyler, I, I'm sorry. Every, I, I I spill the beans every time we're around white people. I hate keeping secrets. You know. Oh man. I just hate it, man. It just make you feel so guilty. And every, I was just gonna say something. I was listening. I was going over China before I got here, listening to this podcast. <laughs> and is it me or is it every time Noah? <laughs> Quote something that we said. It's always it feels like you in court. Is that true? <laughs> yeah. 
It, I'm telling you, man. I feel guilty already. Well, listen up, my brothers. I got to go. There's a pretty white woman that's calling my name. Uh, she is in danger right now. And uh, also, uh, keep, your, keep your mouth off of the Black Lives Matter movement, okay? Because I actually started that, all right? Okay? I started that movement, Black Lives Matter. You did. And it was only supposed to be about me. <laughs> It was always supposed to be about me. What happened? Well, this is the thing, okay? So imagine this scene, all right? I'm at uh, Yale, okay? I was at a luncheon. They invited me. I don't know why, but they invited me, right? And they and they told me that uh, what what's going on is some kind of new movement uh, to, to 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 save black lives, right? And I said, you know what? That's your job. <laughs> That's right. And I said, Black Lives Matter. And they said, are you talking about the people? I said, no, my life matters. <laughs> so that's why it's like Black Lives Matter. So I want y'all to understand that I'm all down. I'm down with it, baby. Listen, save another black life. Save Black Superman. Save me some food if you're cooking on this upcoming Thanksgiving. I'm coming to your house, Tyler, just to let you know. You always invited. Thank always. you. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you for Black Superman. Yeah. Now listen, guys. I got a jet. All right. But if it ain't black, it's whack. Peace, love, soul, and chicken grease. Wow. Tyler, I don't know what just happened there. See you later, Black Superman. I love that guy, man. You know, I I love it. I just I just hate that he always asks for money when he comes here. Hey, people need money. He's the drunk uncle. The drunk uncle always. Uh, <laughs> exactly. He smelled like wild Irish rose in, <laughs> in, in, in 40s. Oh, my goodness. Well, that wraps up episode. In Brew Cologne. In Brew Cologne. <laughs> <laughs> that wraps up episode two of the Behind <laughs> My Podcast. <laughs> what is this thing called? Chopping It Up. <laughs> episode two of Chopping It Up Podcast. <laughs> I want to preview next episode. We are going to be talking about how the hood became the hood. What Black Superman needs you to do is subscribe to our podcast, Chopping It Up. You can find us on Podbean as well as iTunes. And we want you to write emails to us. Please. Chopping It Up podcast at gmail.com. There is no G in chopping. What's up with that? There's no G. You know, um, I think that this is uh, something that you as a white person have to get used to. Okay? Uh, <laughs> we don't always have to spell things correctly. It's chopping. And that's, yes, it is incorrect English. Or pronounce it correctly. Please make your email shorter than Joel Clark's. Please. And we're going to close out with a song by Switchfoot featuring Lecrae called Looking for America. I encourage you to listen in. I think it reflects a lot of the stuff that we talked about in today's episode. This is my best black impression of Tyler. Peace! Oh, oh, wow. Let's not ever do that again. In the past.